I'm Aaron Weintraub, and this is Inside Kurdistan. So in the past few days, there have been uh, massive earthquakes in Turkey and Syria that have deeply affected the region. Uh, there's a climbing death toll of about 20,000 people that has taken over uh, the media focus here uh, regionally and internationally. And I, I personally don't like to tailor this podcast to discuss news events. Uh, I don't think it's very well equipped to do that most of the time. Uh, but there is one specific topic that I've been interested in uh, for some time that actually coincides very well uh, with these earthquakes. Uh, real estate development in Erbil and Kurdistan as a whole has been an economic powerhouse for the region. Uh, but the conversation about real estate development can't just focus on the infrastructural advances that Kurdistan has made. Uh, it has to also focus on the system that has allowed it to grow so quickly. And it's a system that has historically come with a lot of money moving very quickly and with very little in the way of scrutiny and regulations. Uh, and the earthquakes this week brings my focus on real estate to a very specific angle. Uh, and that is one that pertains specifically to public safety. And if you've uh, focused on the news uh, that has come out regarding these earthquakes, you've no doubt seen the horrific videos of buildings collapsing uh, and overall just infrastructure simply not being able to hold up against uh, these natural disasters. So my interview today focuses specifically on real estate and development here in our bill, which has had its own smaller earthquake this week and has caused uh, a significant amount of uh, panic and anxiety here in the city. And the point that I continually bring up in this episode is the potential human cost uh, of a system that either does not have or does not have much pressure to uh, adhere to regulations placed on it. Mohamed Shwani is the CEO and founder of the real estate company Malamulk here in Erbil. And our conversation, and in our conversation, we talk about the economic system that has allowed for development, real estate, and property ownership to skyrocket in this city. But we also focus on the weak points of that system. For example, the lack of incentive to focus on safety, but also uh, opportunities for government officials here uh, to place a priority of personal profit over the need to regulate uh, or the economic bubble that is growing due to more properties being developed than the current demand calls for. Uh, and it's a long overdue conversation that I've been meaning to have. And his insights on current events, as well as the past and future of real estate in Kurdistan, made for a fantastic conversation. So with that said, Here's Mohammed Shwani. Kak Mohammed, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Thank you so much. So it's been an interesting uh, 12 hours for Erbil. Uh, so to <laughs> recap for international audiences, there was a very large earthquake uh, in Turkey, and we also had an earthquake on the same fault line uh, that got triggered because of that. Um, I personally live uh, in uh, a high-rise apartment uh, nearby here uh, that shook <laughs> quite a bit. Uh, so it was very alarming uh, uh, for a lot of people who live in the area here. So what I want to do is walk with you in this interview from a conversation about the history of real estate and the history of development in Kurdistan to what needs to happen with specifically safety regulations and long-term investment thinking. Uh, so that a disaster doesn't occur uh, in Erbil or anywhere else in Kurdistan uh, for real estate. So my first question is actually sort of, it's not necessarily about real estate. It's more about the underlying philosophy of Kurdistan. 
because it's a very young nation. Uh, and the idea of stability for Kurds, I think, and this is an important thing for people who aren't Kurdish to understand, it can be difficult to understand what it's like to live in a society that hasn't had a lot of stability for not even four or five years, but, you know, one or two even. And I think I think the best way to start this is asking how this mentality affects the real estate development sector. Yeah. Uh, thank you for your question. I think uh, real estate history uh, for Kurdistan also, it's young. Uh, it dates back to 2005 and six. the development of the real estate in, in Arbil. And uh, little by little, this developed. And after uh, coronavirus, the uh, rapid development started in Arbil in terms of uh, building huge construction, uh, uh, apartments, uh, especially in uh, Arbil and uh, the zone uh, around the airport. So uh, regarding the, uh, in terms of safety, uh, because this is new to, to Kurdistan or to the government, I think it's a time to review the uh, rules and regulations for the developers when they start to build uh, a project. Because, you know, to me and to the most of the people, safety is first. But uh, as you said, Kurdistan, I mean, in every five years, we face it uh, like... Uh, something in the Kurdistan, for example, uh, just 20 years ago, uh, we we faced the Iraqi Operation Freedom. After that, the, uh, the war in the, the civil war between uh, people in Baghdad and uh, center and south of Iraq. Later on, we faced um, uh, ISIS uh, in, in Kurdistan and in the whole Iraq. Uh, so this made people, the mentality of people, to not think about things, uh, about uh, future in a long term, on a, like long vision. Everyone uh, think about it like one year, two years, and that's it. Uh, first of all, we, we, we need to, to change the mentality of people to have a long vision for their lives, uh, take, and also... Uh, for the developers uh, to think about uh, people's life and um, uh, take care ab about the safety and uh, HSC of the every project. Could you explain what HSE stands for? Yeah, health, uh, safety, and environment. Okay. So uh, I think uh, this cannot be uh, done through raising awareness of the developers. Maybe they follow or they also, if there's no fine or something, they can uh, do whatever they want. But this can be controlled by the government. Government can uh, bring the consultants to uh, design projects and to ask what's the safest way for the people uh, during the process of building and when they leave in mm -hmm. uh, for, the, uh, for the long term. And then uh, they can issue like regulations, policies, and uh, the developers should follow. So what we're going to do now is we're going to break down the entire real estate system very simply for people who might not understand it. Uh, and it can be an overwhelming system for people. Uh, but there's basically three different sections. There are developers. There's people like you who are in real estate. 
uh, and then there are the buyers. And your job is to navigate uh, the interests of the developers and their investors with the interest of the buyers and uh, their property that they're that they're either renting or or or, or purchasing. So why don't you start by talking to me about how a developer goes about creating a project in Kurdistan. Uh, creating a project, uh, a developer goes to the government mm-hmm. and uh, he can get uh, uh, land from government uh, almost for free mm-hmm. because uh, government uh, uh, thinks that uh, this project will benefit uh, government and its people. People can live there and uh, uh, also government may ask for tasks from the developers. Uh, and then when uh, they get the land, they come to the real estate companies. Mm-hmm. And uh, they ask, they, they invite real estate owners to, to, to uh, a hall and they explain uh, their project without starting uh, the project. Uh, they, they have their own catalogs and printings uh, and they explain to people that the project will consist of like a number of buildings and a number of floor, and they pay like uh, thirty to fifty USD dollar per meter to the real estate companies to sell, and real estate companies um, uh, like ten or fifteen or twenty real estate companies, they they are going to buy the pro- whole project, mm-hmm. and they sell to the other companies, they are small, they cannot buy, and to ordinary people. Okay. When they get uh, 20% from the, the people, and then they bring this cash to the project owner or developer, and then they start the project. So it's basically your job as a real estate developer to advertise to people why they should invest in this property, why they should uh, buy this property, even though the property hasn't been developed yet. Yes. So what happens if the project never gets developed? Currently, government uh, has issued a a rule. If the developer cannot complete the project, they take out the project from that person and give it to another person. But this uh, process may take three to six months, and then another developer come and complete the project. Mm-hmm. And this is happening in, in Arbil. Yeah. yeah. So that, that regulation has changed things, because it used to be that developers would promise properties and then basically pocket the money from investors. And then real estate companies would be able to profit off of that advertisement. And then the person who would suffer was the buyer. Yes. So... Now that there is a guarantee that the project will get developed, now the developer has to make that project in a very short amount of time, correct? Yes. So now we go to safety because if if development is happening so rapidly that safety isn't being taken into consideration, how does that affect the buyer in the long term? Uh, You know, it it affects the the buyer directly because... It is the matter of uh, life of people. Mm-hmm. So uh, up to now, uh, we haven't tested any any project. It's true. Yesterday we had like an earthquake, but it's not that strong. But maybe in future uh, we have like a strong earthquake, and uh, we know uh, the quality of the projects. But also we hear it in the uh, 
uh, or we have seen in the social media uh, today that uh, some of the projects already affected by the earthquake. How so? Uh, I don't know exactly, but it is the picture has been shared on on the social media. Uh, people taking picture of the cracks of the of the buildings, mm -hmm. but. Uh, uh, you know the 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 degree of the uh, earthquake is not that much, but if we have a stronger maybe um, building is collapsed. So, I guess it's confusing to me because the idea is that development needs to happen quickly so that people can make money. But people won't make money in the long term if these. Uh, if HSE, if, if safety, health, and environment aren't taken into consideration. The next 10 years of Iraq is looking at uh, extremely high gas prices, extremely high electricity rates, uh, a decrease in water, as well as we're going to be looking at uh, safety implications due to weather changes because of that. That's an example. People should be taking that into account, but why aren't they? You know, uh, people... Maybe some, I mean, like 10% of people taking this into account uh, because they are not aware about this. Mm -hmm. They are not expertise about that. And uh, they are not expertise. Uh, so, uh, but it's the role of the government to regulate or to uh, review the the conditions of the, of the construction and for the developers how to how to uh, construct the buildings uh, currently uh, we ha we suffer from many issues currently for example uh, there are maybe materials harmful to the people uh, materials i mean like gas material like uh, liquids like painting uh, Fibers, debris, everything. Electric generators. Yeah, yeah. yeah. generators in, in the buildings. But another thing, some of the projects, they, they use generators behind the project. Mm -hmm. This is, um, I mean, a disaster. Because also there are people living behind the project. And uh, when they start to work, or, or when they need the generator, and uh, the smoke directly goes to the ho to the houses to the people around the project so uh, this is the role of the government to 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 re to set some conditions some rules that uh, to protect people uh, the developers need to follow the rules and policies that they are going to issue so the government <laughs> gives this land away oftentimes for free because there's an incentive that once this is developed, taxes will be paid, people will live there, uh, the money will give itself back to uh, uh, the, the local economy. But what happens if there is a government official who's invested in the project? Uh, you know, when people already from government invested in the projects or they have partnership, they have to close their eyes when they see something irregular or something it's not according to the policies. This is a big disaster. Government, I mean, uh, also this should be cleared uh, from uh, uh, investment office in Arbil that if any employee involved in this, the uh, he has to go to the jail or uh, the fine should be that amount mm -hmm. because uh, 
because it creates many, many issues. For example, uh, when they visit the project, the project uh, is not uh, according to the standards, uh, they will not raise it or they, they are not stopping the project. Well, there are no standards right yeah, now. Yeah, because they have benefit in this. And uh, this mutual benefit affects, at the end, affects the, the buyers mm -hmm. or the people around the project. This is a big issue. I mean, uh, it's to be cleared at the beginning for the investment office that any people involved in this and uh, the punishment will be m much more bigger than anyone else. It's funny that you actually bring up fines. I'll say, I'll, let me put it this way. I don't think that real estate uh, developers uh, in, in London or New York have a better sense of ethics than real estate developers in Erbil. But they're scared of being fined. They're scared of actual financial punishment. But that doesn't exist here. Up to now, uh, I haven't seen anyone punished by the government because of one, two, three, according to the government standards. So this should be developed. Uh, at the end, people will be saved. At the end, people, their money will be uh, secured with, with the developers. I want to go into uh, another topic that's kind of related to this and much more closely related to real estate. Uh, so we'll walk away from development real quick. We'll okay. go to the second sector, which is real estate, which is basically the in-between people who are responsible for finding buyers for these uh, projects. Currently, uh, there is an enormous amount of development happening. Does it exceed the amount of demand currently in Airbill? To me, yes. Okay. Yeah, but we don't have like uh, um, concrete data to prove that. Mm -hmm. But um, by, by estimation, by uh, I mean our experience, we know that the the, the 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 buildings we have, the residential units we have, it's much more than people's demand. So it's a bubble. Yeah. Okay. I, I can say easily it's a bubble. But how to control this? It's also the government role to bring like uh, consultants, to bring university instructors, to to uh, design locations for the residential, where we need. It is impossible that all the resident, uh, residential units being built around the airport. Why? Do we have more people here than <laughs> the east of Arbil? No, because here p developers can make more money than the east or south of Arbil. Because they're international residents like me. <laughs> Maybe. <In part. laughs> yeah. Okay. So there's a large amount of development that's happening right now that exceeds demand. True. So there's there's projects that currently don't have any people living in them. That's why these projects are being developed, is that someone is buying these projects anyways. Yeah. Who are these people that are buying these projects that aren't living in them? Uh, yeah. We can say there are people more than the actual people who are going to live in but there are people who are already bought these uh, projects to for the investment purpose mm -hmm. to sell it again with a benefit who are these people um, uh, those people uh, like um, uh, real estate companies or ordinary people they have money they don't want to save it at home they want to work with this money they buy the projects at the beginning and when the project is completed they sell it again with a good amount of profit so i can say uh, like 70 percent of the people 
who are buying the projects at the beginning, they are not the real buyers. Okay. They are investors. So if this bubble collapses, if the development bubble collapses, what happens to these, for example, real estate companies that are buying these properties? What happens uh, to people like you? Yeah. <laughs> you know, up to this moment, uh, when people buying the projects uh, after one year or two years, they sell it again, they make a good money Okay. up to now. It means we have demand on, on the projects. But uh, what happened after coronavirus, the projects, like, you cannot imagine. Every week we have two, three projects, or uh, I mean, at least uh, in a month, we have three projects, big projects come to the market to sell it again. So it becomes much more than our demand. But when we f we, we face this, when we face this issue after two, three years, if we have uh, this extent of the uh, rapid development, maybe after uh, three, four years, we have a lot of uh, buildings without people. This, aff uh, this affected those build the, the price and uh, the price of these residential units, it becomes uh, less than the actual price. So, but up to now, we haven't faced this because we have demand. But I'm sure after three years, we face this. So what can the government do right now to be able to prevent that crisis from happening? Uh, you know, uh, government, first of all, need to bring people like uh, experts to taking data from the locations mm -hmm. and taking the expansion of the population here in Arbil and taking uh, uh, or accounting the people, I mean, uh, expat people into consideration and people coming from center and south, also from Syria or neighboring countries to Iraq, and then decide about where we need uh, residential units. Mm -hmm. It's impossible. I mean, all the all the uh, residential units located here in around the airport. How about uh, Kaznazan Road? How about Kirkuk Road? How about Mosul Road? How about uh, other locations? So. Uh, I think the locations of the of the development should be regulated or reviewed again, and also the number of the of the building is also to be limited, according to the needs of the people, not to build like uh, uh, whatever developers they want, uh, and uh, later on it is uh, real estate's problem how to sell it, because. People taking project, uh, maybe they at the beginning they uh, they uh, suppose they supposed to build four buildings. Immediately they change their mind to make it six. How? Government should stop this, and this should be do academically, by data, by expertise, by government, by the university instructors. So uh, things to be regulated. So I want to raise a point about, uh, in particular, especially rich developers uh, in Kurdistan, because these developers are able to buy this land without permission from the government. The land's very expensive, but they can afford it. They're rich developers. So that means that they're essentially able to develop uh, their project as they please without having to answer to the public sector at all. How does that affect the buyer in the long term? You know, uh, it's a good question. Here in Arbil also we have rich developers. Uh, I can give you examples. For example, uh, the owner of the mass group, mm -hmm. uh, his name is Ahmad Ismail. Uh, back to 2014, because we had ISIS crisis, 
and uh, he, I think he was the the only developer. He himself called the all the buyers to to visit his office and to take their money out because he cannot complete the project, and uh, it it affected uh, his projects very positively because now uh, he are he is uh, uh, constructing like two three projects in Arbil and the prices of their houses is um, expensive than other houses uh, other projects around him why because he has good reputation in the market mm-hmm. he's a reliable But, developer yeah reliable yeah also we had we have like Haji Ahmed Ismail mm-hmm. uh, sorry Haji Ahmed Mazdi uh, uh, he is the owner of the Hiwa group he he bought a, like a very big land and he built houses on it and also apartments he already finished one of the the structure of one of the apartment up to now it's not in the market real estate companies visited him to sell uh, the apartments he says no i'm still waiting and let's develop more and then uh, i will sell the projects he can't sell the projects in one day because yeah he is reliable has good reputation and also people trust him and when uh, people and uh, when people i mean the people who already bought uh, projects from him uh, houses now the price is up and people get benefit from his projects so these people are reliable people yeah and that's why they're able to de- make a lot of money as as and and become the wealthy developers that they've become yes What happens when you encounter a less reliable de- uh, developer, a re- developer that doesn't have the money to develop their projects, that needs some money? What about these people? Yeah, uh, definitely uh, the, the projects of those people, uh, the price of the project is uh, not that much high. Everyone can buy it, but uh, at the end, uh, they... Uh, they come out uh, with the result that no one wish to see the result for example we have a project here with many real estate companies they don't know the owner and the project is in the uh, the, the the structure of the project already finished but people cannot buy because uh, they don't know the owner this is one second the price of the project i mean the the project owner cannot make more money because people do not trust him and uh, people not going to buy it and also real estate companies uh, they don't want to work on those companies because maybe um, all of a sudden the project on a runaway or something like that uh, at the end people come to to your company to ask for their money so uh, before that government uh, has to control this to only give the land to the people uh, that pay payment guarantee to the government that they are going to finish the project uh, completely or successfully but again this only works if every single person in the system the buyer the real estate expert uh, the developer and the government has a long-term vision this only works if we don't think one or two years in the future we have to think 10 years in the future And to go back to the original point I made, this kind of undercuts the underlying philosophy that Kurdish people have had about the land that they live on and are now developing on because people aren't used to thinking about things in terms of 10-year, 20-year plans. Yeah, I mean, this should be uh, 
said from the government, then come back, uh, then come under to the ordinary people. Mm-hmm. I mean, here, if we think that uh, rules and regulations of the go- government also changes very rapidly. Why? Because uh, we wait till we face a problem, then we review our rules. So this is related to the mentality of the people. Now, uh, because we, we, we face many things in the, in the country, in the region, as you said at the beginning, we are a young country. Uh, that's why this is uh, affecting all of us. We, me, at my home, I'm thinking that, uh, or uh, I already built my house, not for 20 years, for 10, 10 years, five years, and then to change it, or to three years, then to change it. Not because it is easy for me, also other people. They build their house, they say, maybe I, I, I change it very soon. Why? Because we face this in reality. In 2014, many people uh, ran away or uh, left this country to the Europe because uh, they, they thought that ISIS won't come to Arbil. So as you said, the underlying issue here has to do with people making regulations after the fact. After the crisis happens, yes, it's all it's all basically regulations made in a rearview mirror. So let's take this earthquake for example. What happens with safety regulations if one of these buildings collapse? Are these regulations going to change? Uh, I think so because uh, Arbil now in 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 Kurdistan uh, become a, a city that everyone I mean interested to come and invest in Arbil. If a, a building collapses, I'm 100% sure that investment uh, department or office in the government review the rules and uh, regulations of the safety procedures. But there's no systematic investment right now in them changing those regulations now in order to prevent that from happening. Yes, we don't have it now. But uh, as I said, when things are happening, we are going to think and review the regulations. Mm-hmm. But before before happening, and it, I think it's a good uh, hint for the government to think about uh, what happened yesterday to, to set their rules and regulations regarding safety. And um, if we visit like uh, Emirates, that there are a, a lot of like... Uh, very high buildings there, so we can, um, I mean, our government officials can visit uh, their, I mean, their officials and uh, exchanging the experience and bringing the engineers here to Arbil and uh, um, like opening a workshop or uh, training courses for the developers and also bringing uh, experts from those countries in order to build uh, uh, in a way that uh, the, the building can resist to the earthquake. So this is thinking optimistically, but let's talk about the next five to ten years. What do you think is actually going to happen? I think m- currently many projects is in the process of building. Mm-hmm. I don't think they have like uh, concrete uh, procedures to to protect the building from the earthquake Mm -hmm. but uh, just (laughs) i can say god protect us Mm -hmm. but uh, i think uh, we we can't we can do things now we it's time to change it's time to think about the 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 construction the development procedures 
but uh, what has been done, it's done. We cannot change. But at least uh, if we bring like experts, engineers, uh, maybe we can do something. But at least for from now and future, we can do or build according to the international standards. Well, Kak Mohammed, thank you so much for joining me tonight. <laughs> thank you so much for the invitation. And see you. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Thanks again to Mohamed Shwani for taking the time to come to our studio. Inside Kurdistan is brought to you by the Kurdistan Information Network, and you can check out our podcast on kurdistanin.net. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you have any questions or comments, you can reach out to us at info at kurdistanin.net. Thanks so much. I'm Aaron Weintraub, and this has been Inside Kurdistan. <laughs>